I often think about the many families who have used their cells stored with us and whether those were for regenerative medicine clinical trial or for transplant. And not a single one of those families knew ahead of time, at the time they decided to bank, that they were going to need those cells when they enrolled. Hello. Hello. Welcome to At Home. This is a place where we explore all the nooks and crannies of what makes us feel at home. The good, the meh, and the messy. We've been together over 10 years and we still have a lot to learn about each other. (laughs) I've been with myself for a long time and I still haven't figured myself out. It's a process. Well, there will be heated debates. Yeah, because Drew has very strong opinions Mm -hmm. about everything, like leaving the toilet lit up. Well, hey, we'll just bring in experts to help us solve those. What about you, though, leaving hair dolls in the shower? Ew. Uh, Those are gifts. (laughs) Yeah, that no one wants. This is all a part of our life at home. Hey, everybody. Linda's doing a little dance here. This means that she's ready for an exciting conversation today. Yeah, and I'm also rolling my back out and <laughs> hiding a ball. She has two pillows, back. a ball, and a book behind her back to oh, roll it out. But it does it's sound amazing. Hurting. We're just a few weeks away. Exactly. Only weeks left. Baby, be so close. <laughs> you, you can't really see. I mean, you can see the top of Linda's belly right here, but this thing is bigger than a beach ball. Um, it's apparently, as big as a watermelon. Baby, I would say the head alone is bigger than a watermelon because <laughs> baby's head, the doctor says, or Opie says it's the size of my head. It's giant. Okay, not quite that big. But lucky Linda. It's a it's a big baby. It's a big, tall baby. Very tall. Yeah, long limbs. So it's hard to get, I guess it's hard to get the weight. When you have a baby with long limbs, it's really hard to figure out what the actual weight is. Yeah, because so. it's a little skewed, right? Yeah. Maybe it'll just step out. Maybe it'll be like a giraffe <laughs> and the baby will think, you know, it'll know how to walk when it steps out. That would be amazing and freaky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have like a nightmare about that. Uh, Everything else good? You feeling good? I'm feeling great. Minus, minus the back pain and waking up a few times every mm-hmm. night to pee and... All that... Actually, uh, nothing to complain about, though. Aside from that, I mean, overall, I didn't realize this until yesterday. Linda told me she did not throw up during this pregnancy. I thought that you did in tri- the first trimester. No, I never felt the need to. You felt ill, but not that bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I hmm. only had all day sickness for three or four months. Well, knock on on baby that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it stays this way. Yeah, and my acid reflux has gotten bad in the past couple weeks, but. Yeah, still no throw up. Yeah, you know my pain. I know. It's so funny because Drew has, I guess Drew has always lived with pregnancy symptoms. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of have. It doesn't get acidity. It just gets like, I feel like it's right there at my throat. Like, he's always mm, just like. Uh, <laughs> pound the chest. <laughs> Something I ate. So here's the, the question though, aside from the physical feeling um, getting here, how have you been with, you know, everyone when they see you're pregnant, they want to give you advice. How have you felt about it? I'll take it. Any bad advice? I wouldn't say bad advice. No, because I, I, I really won't know until, like when it comes to parenting, I won't know if I'll need to use that advice or... I'm sure I've had some, but I, you know, you pick and choose. I think some of the best advice is just that you're going to figure it out. You're going to be good parents and, mm-hmm. and all the reading and everything gives you a little bit of knowledge, but in reality, or, every baby is different. Or don't worry about reading anything and just... Mm-hmm. Just go with it. Just go with the flow. But our friend Victoria 
gave us some good oh, yeah. advice. Yeah, she texted us and she was telling us about cord blood. Bl- cord, cord blood blanking? Cord blood banking. I keep saying blanking or <laughs> cord blood blanking. Yeah, <laughs> cord, cord blood, blood banking. Banking. And which is which is great. And if you don't know what that is, you're taking your umbilical cord and you're taking the stem cells and the tissue from it and storing it. Yes. And we're really excited to have our guest with us today because she's going to be expanding our knowledge. She's giving expanding us great insight knowledge, into knowledge. the world of cord blood banking. We and said it. I did say it. Without, <laughs> I had to pause and slow down. But Dr. Jamie Shamunki, she is Cord Blood Registry's chief medical officer. She's also a mom of two. Her eldest just went off to college. And Dr. Shamunki, she's trained in anatomic and clinical pathology. Mm-hmm. And prior to joining Generate Life Sciences, she developed expertise in women's health and clinical laboratory medicine. And she served as director of breast pathology and blood bank medical director at St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica. And I mean, we are excited too, because Core Blood Registry is actually a sponsor of At Home as well. And they truly want to bring as much education as possible to families so you can make these choices to better serve your family. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll get into that with our conversation with Dr. Shamunki, but I really like that banking your stem cells and your tissue, it's not just to help you yourself, it actually is to help many people in your family as well. You mean the baby, right? Well, I was saying as though if I stored my own cells, but yes, right, the yeah. baby cells. Drew's talking as if he's the baby, I am the baby, and he was referring earlier. He was referring to his his umbilical cord yeah. as if he. I, I like you. I'm talking in the first person yeah. as if I'm baby, and I know I act like a baby from time to time. But yeah, so if you are the baby, the parents, it's not just benefiting the baby; it could benefit other people in the family. Yes. Yeah, yes. As well. Well, without any further uh, mishaps oh, or misstatements, one, one little delay. Or not delay. Um, one more thing. I'm definitely delayed today. Yeah. <laughs> we need a nap. Uh, there is a promo code. We'll put it in the description. And it's just HOME, H-O-M-E. Yeah, we'll share a link as well. But you can yeah. use that to get 50% off for your cord blood banking with <laughs> cord blood registry. And also that gives you storage for your first year. Yes. Yes, yes. Without further okay. ado, this is Dr. Jamie Shamunky. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. <laughs> Help protect what matters most with all this plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Our whole journey to becoming parents has been uh, sort of this wondrous roller coaster of questions and then questions being answered that open up a hundred more questions Mm -hmm. and trying to make sure we're doing everything we can do to make sure we're being the best parents. And this is a big part of us having this conversation today as well. Yeah, so would you be able to tell our listeners what you do and um, I guess 
how we're involved with you guys. Sure. Yeah. So my name's Jamie Shamonkey. I'm a physician. Um, I am the chief medical officer of CBR, which is actually the largest newborn stem cell bank in the world. I'm a pathologist by training, and I'm actually also a mom. Believe it or not, my kids are ages 20 and 17. So I do I not believe that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's insane. I can tell you that there's a lot more questions today than there were when I was having kids. But, you know, I'll tell you, when I was pregnant with my son, he's the 20-year-old, And I am a doctor, right? I was in training. I had access to all the people I wanted to ask questions of. My entire prenatal screening consisted of them offering me what was called a triple screen, which I said no thanks to. So I had an ultrasound to establish I was pregnant. I had an ultrasound at 20 weeks and that was it. So Hmm. we just, we have so much more discovery, technology. And then from that technology, we say, well, here's some cool products and services and things we can offer parents to optimize the health and welfare and outcomes for their family. Most of it's really exciting and really great stuff, but it's it's a lot of decisions to make for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it is a lot of information to take in. And what we're going to talk about today is cord blood banking and storage, and you'll have to inform us of all the proper terminology. Yeah. So in this step for us, um, understanding, you know, everyone wants to have a healthy baby. And mm-hmm. we know to this point, everything that we, we've talked with our doctors and this different scans that we've done and whatnot, our, our ultrasounds, we see we have a healthy baby coming, which is amazing. Then we started talking about the next stage of potential health. What if there is some sort of health concern for our child uh, five years, 10 years down the road? And then this is when uh, Core Blood Registry came to mind. Um, It was actually a friend recommended you guys. And so can you tell us a little bit more about advancements in, in science and technology and innovation that in, and stem cell research that's leading to why you guys are in such high demand? And what what it all is, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's start from the beginning. So people say cord blood and cord tissue. And a lot of times parents don't even really know, like, what exactly are you collecting? And what are we talking about, right? Um, And truthfully, after the birth, you're not going to even have to worry about that particular aspect. Just put that out there. But just so everybody knows what we're talking about, when we say cord blood and cord tissue, we're referring to a baby's umbilical cord. Um, And more specifically, the placental blood and the tissue that can be preserved from that umbilical cord after the baby's born. It turns out that there's, within umbilical cord, there are two very specialized types of stem cells that are present in both that residual placental blood and also in the squishy soft tissue that makes up the umbilical cord itself. And it's really cool because, you know, we have lots of stem cells in our adult bodies as well, but doctors discovered a little over 30 years ago that there's characteristics of the stem cells in the umbilical cord that are pretty unique and worth saving, and they can help save or even just significantly improve lives. And let me know if I'm going off track, but do you know why it is that the umbilical cord has those special stem cells? Like, is it a function of pregnancy? Is it... Yeah, like why why couldn't we get stem cells from, yeah, as why, you mentioned, like adults? DNA? So there's really two main areas of science that use newborn stem cells for helping families. The one way is really thought of as the traditional way. And when most physicians think about cord blood, they're thinking about transplant medicine. So this is the method that was discovered a little over 30 years ago. 
And this is where you think of things that are, are, are pretty scary for parents, fortunately pretty rare, but in those events, those rare events where a young person has a genetic disorder or acquires cancer, you can use the cord blood stem cells for a transplant of like a bone marrow transplant. And most of the time, actually, when you're using these cells, it's between siblings. So what's really interesting about siblings is that you uh, have about a 75% chance of that sibling being an immunological, at least partial match. So Mm. they make great uh, partners for helping to treat the other one. We have lots of amazing stories about siblings saving the other one's life. But the second way, and this is where we get into your question about how has the science progressed and is super exciting, is um, where stem cells are being used therapeutically in, well, it's actually innumerable ways, but we kind of group it together under regenerative medicine. And what this means is you're using a child's, usually their own stem cells to treat a condition like cerebral palsy. And it's, it's really interesting. It gets back to this whole question of what's special about a newborn stem cells where the umbilical cord stem cells are able to talk to other cells in the body and they signal to that body to either decrease inflammation, they can talk to the immune system, or they stimulate wound healing. They can even stimulate regrowth of nerve tissue. So to clarify, just in layman's terms, I guess, for myself, (laughs) my own stem cells will really speak 100% to my own stem cells in my body. If I have a sibling, it could be 75% effective. Um, or in which your is, case, 100%, right? Or exactly, because I'm an identical <laughs> twin, right, exactly. Um, and then um, also I, I heard too that you're able to store in order to help other families as well. There might be other people out there that have a, a, a decent match. Is it usually a, a, is it a scale of percentage? Like you, you have to be a 60% match or more to, to be able to utilize stem cells for somebody else? Yeah. So the it's a little bit different if you're talking about helping a stranger versus helping somebody that's in your family. And so I think it's really important that we sort of establish the difference between private stem cell banking and public stem cell banking. The private side, which is what CBR does, you store these cells for your family. And in, the, in terms of grades of match, you're either going to be a 50% match or a 100% match or a 0% mm. match. And that's really most commonly between siblings that are not identical twins. And about 75% of the time, those kids will be at least a 50% match or a 100% match. Hmm. This matters if you're treating a genetic disorder or it matters if you're treating a child who has certain cancers where you wouldn't want to use their own stem cells. It's actually better to use a related or a similar person's stem cells, but not those exact same. So not to get too complicated, but in that sort of transplant setting, most of the time you're not using your own stem cells. Mm -hmm. This is going to change someday because as people age, science is actually creating a process where we're going to be able to create larger units of stem cells. And I think when we're all older, when our children are grown, there's a high likelihood that adults will be able to use their own cord blood for treating the kinds of cancers we get as adults, but that's sort of in the future. Yeah, and that's, that's, there's a, a replicating process that's sort of in, in the works currently, exactly. which just needs more testing. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It's in the clinical trial. There's um, clinical trials and they're, they're moving along uh, where what they're able to do is expand the size of a cord blood unit. 
And so you have a bigger cord blood unit, which can be used to treat a larger person. And in that case, there's a very high likelihood in the future, people will be able to use their own cord blood for that. But but even, even today with these sort of childhood indications, when you're, when you're thinking about uses within your family, those transplant uses, they are fortunately very rare, right? We're talking about children getting cancer and things that are unfortunate, um, but very rare. When you think of the regenerative medicine application, so cerebral palsy is one that a lot of people have heard of because there's been some pretty public clinical trials where kids have used their own stem cells for cerebral palsy treatment. And this is a far more common reason to use your stored cord blood is any of these sort of regenerative medicine treatments. And in those cases, you can use your own stem cells or you can use a closely related person like a sibling. One of my questions you already answered was, what if I'm somebody who develops cancer and then my own stem cells may have that in, but you, you said that this is the benefit of storing um, is that you're not just helping potentially yourself, you're helping the rest of your family uh, as exactly. well, which is yeah. which is mm-hmm. even more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and when you talk about um, like expanding the cord blood unit, is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. Does that ref- are you referring to like the actual amount? Like how much is there actually? Like is there, can you only use it once or... Do you replicate it? Are you saying when they when they yeah. ring when like, they ring out the umbilical cord, how yeah. much blood are you getting? Yeah, like it doesn't exactly. seem like there would be a lot. Is it like in movies where there's like a single vial that'll you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So the amount of blood that you get, it'll it'll fit in a bag that's about this big. Um, mm. I realize this is an audio format, so maybe that's not the so best. So the size we'll of my hand. Of this is well. the size of my hand. Yeah, about the size of your hand, maybe a little bigger. Your hand, probably not my hand. And uh, <laughs> and then what we do is we actually, in the laboratory, we spin off all of the red blood cells and the plasma, the sort of liquid part of the blood, and we save just the stem cells. So it gets saved in a pretty tiny little bag. It is smaller than you'd think. I guess it's sort of proportional to the size of a tiny baby, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The number of stem cells that are in that bag is typically adequate for a bone marrow transplant for a child. So usually once they're if it's a sort of average sized child, once they get to be a teenager, they're kind of in that, you know, middle school age, there's probably not enough stem cells in there to have a bone marrow transplant entirely from just that unit. Okay. Um, but anything younger than that, a child could would typically be of the right size. That's why we're working on this expansion technology, which okay. to get to your question, it's exactly that. So those stem cells they're putting them through a process where you can increase the number of stem cells by orders of magnitude. And then resultingly, you can give those to a much bigger person. An adult person could theoretically be transplanted with those. But you know what's interesting is when you look at regenerative medicine, so there's hundreds of clinical trials right now looking at regenerative medicine uses, both for cord blood-derived stem cells and also those cord tissue-derived stem cells, which are a little bit different. And those, they are mostly looking at clinical indications that affect older people. So musculoskeletal issues, you know, all the aches and pains that we get as we get older. Also Alzheimer's, autoimmune disease, brain injury. So a whole diverse range of clinical applications. And for those, the cell dose is 
important, but it's not nearly as critical as it is in a transplant in terms of success. So what are the current applications um, being used outside of trials? Yeah. So if you're things within clinical trials means that they're not FDA approved yet. So they're, they're moving through the experimental Mm -hmm. process. And so all of those regenerative medicine indications that I talked about are moving through clinical trials. And there's a special category called expanded access protocols, which again, the FDA says it's okay to try this because there's a demonstrated clinical need and this appears to be safe and it's not approved yet, but people can get access. Mm. The only FDA approved indication for cord blood right now is transplant. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting about that is remember 85% of the units that go out our door are for regenerative medicine, meaning they're within clinical trials. Mm. So the thing that I always tell parents is that clinical trials take a long time to move through, right? I mean, we know how incredibly cautious the FDA is. We want them to be cautious. They're looking out for our health and safety, but you're going to have one opportunity to bank them. So capturing those cells and getting them in the cryogenic storage is really important. Lots of families have even been able to access those stem cells in clinical trials. And if you didn't have them stored, you wouldn't have been able to access mm-hmm. the clinical trials. So it really is a it's a it's a matter of saying, I'm not gonna wait for this, you know, 10-year process or however long it takes to resolve some of these things for me to take advantage of the opportunity to store. Yeah. Well, yeah. like you said, you have a 17 and a 20-year-old. I mean, that's many years if you if you had the ability to to store back then, because I assume maybe you didn't, it wasn't as accessible as what it is now with CBR. Yeah. It's interesting you ask because when I was pregnant with my 20 year old son, I hadn't even contemplated cord blood banking, even though cord blood registry was around, it wasn't something I had heard of. And I had heard of public cord blood banking at that point, but we didn't have a public option where I was delivering. My daughter was born in New York city and I happened to be working at the New York blood center which was the first public cord blood bank in the world. And also at the time, transplant was the only indication for using cord blood. This is long before we had conceived of regenerative medicine. And I I knew all about public cord blood banking and the good that cord blood could do. And so I donated my daughter's unit to the New York Blood Center. So her unit is still in the New York Blood Center, actually, 17 years ago. The big thing that goes through my mind is you only have this one shot mm-hmm. or depending on how many children you have, you ha- you only have those shots and you also only have a very small window before you cut the cord uh, as to when you can actually get this uh, stem cell sample and the tissue sample. And so for me, I, it just came down to thinking, why not? I mean, whether I decide to use this or not, or whether I decide it's not for and, me. And hopefully we don't ever use it. Exactly. Hopefully. Exactly. Or hopefully we don't, don't. Don't ever need to use it. But at least we have it. Whereas if you wait and you don't get that sample, you're you're just completely out of luck. So what do you say to people who are sort of on the fence and they think, ah, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe I'll think about it next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I often think about the many families who have used their cells stored with us and whether those were for regenerative medicine clinical trial or for transplant. And not a single one of those families knew ahead of time at the time they decided to bank that they were going to need those cells when they enrolled. 
Mm-hmm. So when you talk to those families, of course, this is a, at this point, a biased group, right? But mm-hmm. they are thinking about the 100% likelihood in retrospect that they needed those cells. You know, and then the other thing is you mentioned, gosh, I hope we never need to use these cells. And that really has been the prevailing wisdom for years. We say, ah, these childhood conditions are very rare. The likelihood my childhood needs it is low. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to decide, is this something I can afford to do as a just-in-case? But the reality is with regenerative medicine, the types of conditions that we're treating are, are so diverse that there is a very high likelihood that every one of us in our families develops one of these conditions. Mm. But if you think about autoimmune disease, um, you know, stroke, spinal cord injury, even osteoarthritis. Mm. I mean, osteoarthritis is incredibly common. And we're looking to start a clinical trial about probably a year from now where we can help treat people with osteoarthritis using the newborn stem cells that come from that that umbilical cord tissue. Hmm. So when you think about it, it's, it's not necessarily going to be something that in every case is you know, oh, thank God we have this. If I didn't have this, I wouldn't have been able to access any treatment. It's really going to be more likely this is an adjuvant thing that helps my family achieve better health. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. They listed, is it something like there's an additional test for 350 plus conditions potentially? Yeah, you're talking about ReadyGen. That's something that's very near and dear to my heart. It was sort of my idea to bring this test. So it's really, yay. (laughs) You know, you can do all the prenatal screening in the world a lot more than I had, right? You do your preconception carrier screening and all of these various things while you're pregnant. But there's a, a host of these diseases that are, potentially inherited or genetically acquired in a child that you don't screen for. And they're not on the state newborn screening tests. The reason they're not on state newborn screening tests is because they rely on metabolic analytes, meaning they're looking for something in your blood that is indicative of one of these inherited conditions. As you can imagine, state tests are are public health mandated. So they're really inexpensive. They vary from state to state tremendously, which is a little bit scary when you think about that, depending on where you're born, you get a different mm-hmm. sort of set of tests. Mm-hmm. So this is a screening test that is a DNA screen. So it, it looks for actual gene mutations. It looks for, I think it's about 280 conditions. And the, the really important thing about this ReadyGen test is that all of these conditions We selected them to be only affecting children and young adults. So we're not looking for things that develop in adults. We don't really want to know this when our child is born, right? Mm -hmm. And they're things that are significant, things that you would want to know as parents. Mm -hmm. And the other important thing is that all of these conditions are things we can do something about if we Mm -hmm. know about them. So either treat it through diet modification or through specific drugs 
mm-hmm. or even start earlier screening for something like a retinoblastoma is, is a very rare inherited condition, but it means that at a very young age, a child has a chance of going blind and, and it's a significant cancer. And if you know that your child inherits this, you can start screening for it very effectively and very early. And it it completely changes outcomes. Mm -hmm. I hope that one of these days it just becomes standard of care, something that all parents get access to. Well, that's something that I think is so important because a lot of times, I don't know if it's it's kind of an older generation too, is that thought of, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want them to tell me something I don't know about. And if I don't know about it, then I'm fine. (laughs) And that drives me nuts because why don't we want to be more informed? I want to be more informed. So I, I have ankylosing spondylitis. Do you know what that is? Yeah, of course. It's sort of like an inflammation of my spine and sacrum area. And both my brothers have it. And I didn't know what this was. I didn't really understand. But my older brother, when he was a teenager, it got so bad he could barely walk. And so he, he's been on medication a long time because of that. And then my twin brother has, was having issues. And then I've been having a little bit of issues. But because I was so active, I didn't think about it. But if we had a screening like what you're talking about, or if we were a bit more aware of certain things that could um, be genetic, we would have known earlier on that it actually is a condition that we got from my dad. And so, and, but he hasn't, he's never had problems with it or he's a tough old cowboy. Maybe he does have some <laughs> joint issues and he just hides it. But um, so that for me is so helpful. One, to know that we're storing our stem cells in our tissue. Two, we're getting that screening early on to make sure that we understand uh, any of these potential genetic uh, elements. Mm-hmm. It's just peace of mind for me. Yeah, and, and you're right. It is just information and it is reassuring to know that this is one option to treat something um, in addition to, as you mentioned, like our healthy diet habits, yeah. and healthy right. habits. And right. like it, it's just one more thing in our toolbox. It's really easy to collect it. You basically enroll online or over the phone, we send a kit. You just have to, the hardest thing is you have to remember to bring the kit with you wherever you're delivering. Mm -hmm. We've packed it in our hospital bag. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And your healthcare provider knows how to collect the stuff. You call a phone number, a medical courier comes and picks it up. It couldn't be simpler. And once you do it, you don't think about it anymore. And, you know, the the interesting thing is some of the families who've used their stem cells, they forgot that they had their newborn stem cells stored. It's so, it was one of those things, they just kind of did it, put it away and didn't think of it again. And then they had a smaller child who was born with a condition that could be treated with newborn stem cells or their child developed one of these conditions. They qualified for a clinical trial. It was like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, we have our stem cells. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a wonderful thing to have access to. How many families have actually stored with CBR? Well, let's see. I think it's about uh, 800,000, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's we a lot. have, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. And we have um, partners where we operate also in Australia and, Can- and Canada. So we're the largest in all three countries. Mm. Did you almost say Canada? I might have. I think I, I think I heard it. Us Canadians are used to that. Yeah, I know. Terrible. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad that you have those partnerships too, because then it's yeah. just uh, it's spreading your accessibility to help families mm-hmm. globally. Yeah, yeah. Linda, you asked earlier, sort of what makes the umbilical cord stem cells so unique, and mm-hmm. how do we know that they're different from adult? I just I wanted to tell you about this story where we started to learn about the regenerative medicine properties of newborn stem cells. There's a a group of children who were born with a genetic disease 
that over time resulted in loss of nerve and motor function. And it's a pretty devastating condition, as you can imagine. Those kids could be treated with a bone marrow transplant. So remember talking about this concept of transplants, you could treat them with a, an adult who donated bone marrow to them or through umbilical cord as a transplant, a biologic source. And in all those cases, they could be treated through transplant and it stopped the progression of their symptoms and it mm. typically saved their lives. But this amazing thing happened, which is just in the kids who were treated with umbilical cord stem cells, they regained some of their motor function and their nerve oh, function. Wow. It was a completely unexpected finding. And mm. that's what that's what made doctors start to say, like, what is in these umbilical cord cells? You know, we would expect them to maybe regenerate faster because we know babies can heal faster than adults. You know, it's kind of teleologic thinking, but there is some truth in that. Um, but it turns out there's actually properties in the way that these cells communicate with our immune systems and sort of through signaling mm -hmm. molecules mm -hmm. that tells our bodies to heal. And it's, it's really unique to umbilical cord. It's pretty it's cool. Called, it's called magic. Yeah, exactly. It really is. I said that once to somebody and they told me, you're a doctor, you're not allowed to tell people it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Hogwarts has many doctors and they're also magic. Um, I have one last question for you regarding delayed cord clamping. Is right. there a benefit to that, especially here with what we're talking about for the, the quality of the tissue or the cells? Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of people are being recommended to um, to do delayed cord blood cord blood clamping. Oh my gosh! Say that three times. <laughs> I can't say it one time. <laughs> so the American College of OBGYN recommends thirty to sixty seconds of delayed cord blood clamping. Most of the benefits are probably to premature babies, but probably even term babies can benefit a little bit. And what this means is, of course, there's a little bit of a delay between the baby was born and when you clamp the umbilical cord, meaning they get a little bit more of their blood transfused back into them. And it makes them a little plumper and it makes them sort of um, do better as they transition into their life outside the womb. Uh, too much transfusion is probably not great, but a little bit of it seems to be um, beneficial. And people are worried about it because, of course, the more blood you let go into the baby, the less there is to go into the bag to collect for your cord blood storage. Um, and so parents are totally freaking out saying, oh, my gosh, my OB wants to do this delayed clamping, but I want to collect stem cells. Like, do I have to choose one or the other? And the answer is you can absolutely still collect cord blood and definitely cord tissue. There are studies and they suggest that that sort of minimum delay of about 30 seconds still benefits baby. And there's still plenty of cord blood left to collect for the newborn stem cell preservation. It'll be a little bit of a smaller unit, but that's okay. Remember that for regenerative medicine uses, the size of the unit is probably not as important also, we hope someday we're going to be able to expand those and make them bigger. And the thing that people forget is that the kids who are premature or have some type of maybe birth injury who are more likely to benefit from delayed clamping are the same kids that are getting enrolled in these clinical trials where they're being treated for the clinical consequences of their birth injury or prematurity, right? Like cerebral palsy. So mm. I always encourage people to bank, listen to your doctor, above all else, listen to your doctor, <laughs> but you can bank your cord blood and cord tissue. You can mm -hmm. also, we will call you if 
your cord blood comes in the door and we say, this is just not worth saving, we'll let you know. That rarely, rarely, rarely happens. But we will be in communication with parents and let them know exactly what you have stored so that you know what you're keeping. I think that's great. And I I love too that it's a regular process for OBs or or midwives. They understand the process and and all they need is the kit and they know what to do. Mm -hmm. Like Linda said, we've already packed it. So anyone listening, we're going to share the information as well because it's really worth enrolling or or calling to at least speak to somebody, a CBR educator about the process. Um, I sounded really Canadian there. I said about about the process. About the process or yeah, process? A, bit, a process. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, we'll share all that information. I think it's it's really an amazing thing how you're supporting families and knowing what innovation is coming in the in hopefully the near future and what's already in clinical trials it just gives us so many more options for what we're banking here. Mm-hmm. Also, for anybody listening, if you use the promo code HOME, and we'll share the description and the link and everything, um, you'll actually get 50% savings on cord blood and cord tissue bundle and a first-year storage. So check that out. I want you to let us know, what's one last piece of advice that you can give us as soon-to-be parents from your years of experience um, with what you do as a doctor as well as a parent of two? Well, you guys, you need to communicate with each other. But more importantly, just trust your instincts. You're doing great. You're doing great now. You're going to be doing great a year from now. Trying to get pregnant is mm. the first time in your life. And it only gets more intense where you you really feel like you're not in control of your destiny. And I think part of it is because you care so much about the outcome. I cared mm. more about having kids and being a good mom and raising happy, healthy kids and I had ever cared about anything else, right? And you can almost obsess over whether you're doing it right. I was a, a medical student and a resident when my kids were born. I guarantee you, I, I did a lot of things wrong. And the most astounding thing is you can talk to my 17 and 20-year-old now and they they think I was always around. <laughs> they are They think that I did a great job and I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I know I missed a lot of things, but at the end of the day, just being present, loving your kids as intensely as you possibly can, but like being kind to yourself and knowing that mm. you, you're doing your best and you're doing great is all that matters. Thank you so much for that great it advice. Fun. Yeah, it, yeah, it has been fun. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been a an adventure. It has. Linda's back <laughs> yeah. is now, um, she has more back pain than I have, uh, which is oh. usually the other way around. I but, currently uh, have um, a book and a, a rolling ball. Yeah. Like a massage. Propped up behind her back. <laughs> behind my back right now. I appreciate I'm going to do a little research and I'll send it to you, but I'm pretty sure there's some clinical trials looking at uh, the stem cells from cord tissue for ankylosing spondylitis. Oh yeah, please do. Any information you have, that would be amazing. Yeah, of course. Thank you, thank you. Well, yeah. we will. Uh, I guess we'll probably talk to you again once our kit has been received by you. But thank you for yeah. taking the time and, and the education. It's such an important thing for us. Yeah. And I. So I hear we have a friend in common. We do. In fact, one of my my lovely neighbor friends, Josephina, she has the most gorgeous kitchen now that I have had the pleasure of 
sitting up at the counter that didn't exist before with a nice view of the backyard and sliding doors. And it's a wonderful, entertaining home. Thanks to the property brothers. You know, I remember the episode specifically beautiful neighborhood as well. And I remember the fun that we had. Um, and by the way, I say Josefina. Yes, I know you is that, do. Is that, is that, is that, is, am I saying it wrong? I think that, or is that the proper way to say it? Well, I think it's probably proper in her um, native country of Chile, but yeah. she introduces herself as Josefina for all of us Americans who can't get it right. So <laughs> <laughs> so she was just giving me a really hard time to say it, Josefina. But I remember the fun we had. Her uh, daughter and her sister were a part of the renovation. And yeah. at one of the big issues, uh, her sister being in a wheelchair didn't have access down into the living room because it was a step and didn't have access through to the kitchen. It was sort of like a... Um, a bottleneck. And so opening that up was so much fun, but oh my gosh, did we laugh? I think I laughed so hard. I probably peed myself a little bit, but it was so much fun doing that renovation. I love your neighborhood. Yeah. And, and she's a wonderful person. I'm so glad that she uh, had the benefit of, of your, your expertise. She deserved it for sure. We're going to write an album one day. She, she, you know, she plays the violin. I play the guitar. We'll figure it out. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you and so much. I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Thank you, guys. Congratulations and good luck. Thank you. Thanks. And by the way, we have an amazing team and just want to say a huge thank you to all of them. We could not do this without them. Brandon Angelino. Annalie Bell. Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis. West Friend. Chris Cobain. Nicole Schachter. And Sabrina Ayakobuchi. Also, our theme music is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And our music composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a few seconds, don't forget to subscribe and rate. Yes, please do. Please do. And also leave comments on our social media at at home. We love to hear from you. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. (gasps) Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.